Wait for it. Wait for it one more time, and we're live. Hey, all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans. It's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just a couple of nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies. A place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place. We are the podcast that puts the fun in dysfunction. So without further ado, we're going to let our guest, Mr. Richard Paulini, and I butchered that. I know I did, but Richard is going to introduce himself to you, our listeners and viewers. Uh, Nick, do you want to try first to see if you can get it right? Paulinelli. He got it. Nick's there. He gets the free automatically on my notepad. <laughs> yeah, I told you. Just you just for any for Paulinelli. anybody who's seeing my name for the first time, you, you don't first look at it. Yeah, Ricardo. Ricardo, don't don't look at my last name when you're trying to pronounce it because that will just it, your brain will just break. So you just you break it in half, Paula, Nelly. Say it together without pausing. You got my last name. So, so uh, I am. Said, uh, hold on, one second before he started. He said that his last name is definitely a head fake. Don't don't trust your eyes. Listen yeah, to what I tell you. I'm sorry, Paul. Our Rich. You yeah, you, you can't believe, you cannot believe what you're reading when you try to do my last name. But uh, I am the publisher at Tuscany Bay Books, which is that, where is it? Over there. Um, we've got uh, we've got several really great authors, uh, Declan Finn. I'm going to leave people out if I do it this way. Roy Griffiths, uh, Josh Griffing, Lori Janeski. Uh, there's there's a bunch more. And then we we just relaunched our uh, planetary series, so we've got like another 89 people I could list, but we don't have that kind of time. But yeah, we we uh, we've been publishing books now for about five years, and uh, we're we're really just keep growing and and hope we 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 bring some great stories to people to to read. Uh, that's it. That's uh, I write. I write occasionally, but you know, uh, as a publisher, I don't have that kind of time. But every once in a while, I kick something loose too. That's uh, no, pretty good. He's like, that's it. That's that. That's the pitch, guys. That's that's me. I mean, that's my life right there. Is 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 running Tuscany yeah, Bay good. and writing a book every once in a while. Yeah. Oh, five years. That's impressive for for a startup. And, I you and know I, I never thought we'd get here either. Um, it's it when we first started. You know, it, we, it was me and then it was uh, Jim Christina. Um, in fact, when you're looking at the BDP in the moon, that is Jim's imprint, which was Black Dog Publishing. And mine was Tuscany Bay Publishing. And so we decided to combine them um, and, and switch it to Tuscany Bay Books. But we wanted to keep Jim's publishing imprint somewhere. And so when we, we created our logo, uh, the the artist said, "Why don't we just put the initials on the moon?" I'm like, "Hey, works for me. Let's go." So, uh, but yeah, we started small. Um, you know, we still, I think, we still have a ways to go, but uh, it's it's been an interesting journey. I would zoom in so you could see things, but that image, for whatever reason, is big enough. I can't zoom in on uh, Streamlabs. So that's all you get, Jr. That's, that's that's all you get. Most all you get. <laughs> or you can put the magnifying glass on. Um, yeah. All right, so it's been a little bit. You came back uh, to talk about your books back in episode 177, so season two. So it's been a hot minute. Uh, we are almost done with season three. But uh, in the last – oh, first off, how we first found them. So Nick found them through me, and I actually found them because we both write reviews for Upstream Reviews, uh, and he's written in a couple of my anthologies. So that's how yeah. we met each other. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I've written – 
follow him on social media somewhere. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think. One. Yeah, I think we do. And I think I've written a review or two for Upstream back when I actually had enough free time I could do stuff like that. Um, hopefully, I can get back to it sometime. But we'll, you know, we'll have to see. Yeah, um, I don't know how people like Declan write a billion books a year and do all the reviews. And maybe it's just because they don't have kids. He, I think he, he has something hooked to his brain and it's writing <laughs> even when he's sleeping. That's why the hats. That's why the hats. That makes mm -hmm. sense. I might be afraid of what my brain would produce when I wasn't cognizant to stop the inner asshole from coming out. It might be. I like, don't know. Who knows? I read that out of it, though. I read that out of it. I mean, like, oh, man, this part got dark. <laughs> yeah, it did. Well, I mean, I could take it even darker. I've got a story that I cooked up in my head while I was asleep, and I'm scared to death to write it. It's that dark. And Ooh. and I think people who know me know I, I take, you know, I take risk. I, I stretch the boundaries. And if I'm thinking, you know, if I'm having second thoughts about it, you know, you can figure out how dark it is. And I, I don't know what corner that drug drug out of, but um, I don't want to go back there. It's scary. I'm not yeah, saying it was LSD, but I'm not not saying it either. But uh, like I, uh, <laughs> boss, so you can get away with some stuff. I told you not to eat the mushrooms on your hikes, man. <laughs> All right. So are you ready for the religion question? Sure. Because you've been here before, we're going to mix it up for you. All right. Okay. Back to the Future, Blade Runner, okay. or E.T.? Oh, well, well done, JR. Okay, so we, we've got – I, I kind of lost you there for a second. It's it's Back to the Future, Blade Runner, and what was the e. last one? E.T. And, and I have to I have to pick one of the three. Correct. Uh, I got to go with Blade Runner. Excellent choice. They were all acceptable. They all came out in the 80s. I watched them as a kid. That's how I picked them. Okay. No, I'm I'm definitely I'm definitely more of a Blade Runner person when it comes right down to it. That was a little darker. I would have probably picked Back to the Future, but the second one where he went to the Wild West and they asked him how he learned to shoot when he outshot that guy, he goes Seven Eleven. Seven Eleven too. Back when you could get like the the penny candy. Yeah, well, I think I just yeah. Changed myself. Yeah, oh, yeah, you know, I I I never could get into Back to the Future at all. So. Um, and then E.T. I watched once and it was like, okay, but I, I kind of, um, oddly enough, I don't gravitate to the touchy-feely, happy ending sci-fi. I kind of like a, I mean, I like good endings. I like where the good guys win, but um, I, I like a little bit more action and and uh, and whatnot, I guess, uh, to my sci-fi. So I'm, I, I always like Blade Runner of the three better. And, and mainly so, because of that, that last speech that Rutger Hauer gives at the end. Oh, the um, teardrop in the rain. Yes, that is, I, I'm not sure who wrote that. If uh, I've heard uh, it was him. Uh, I don't know if it was him or the, yeah, or the screenwriters, whoever wrote it, that was brilliant. That was well done. Okay, follow-up question. Since you chose Blade Runner, was Decker a replicant? No. I know, unpopular opinion, but no. No, it's got it's a it's a it's an opinion that has merit. Both of them have kind of merit. Mm -hmm. And then the decision makers when they made the 2049 went with it's like yeah, just leave it alone. Just leave it a mystery. <laughs> You know, You're I actually, doing too I, much, kid. No, I mean, I, I liked, I liked twenty forty nine. There was a couple of issues I had with it, but overall, I, I did like the, the sequel. I wish they had done it 
a lot earlier and and maybe have uh, Decker be a little bit more of a participant in it. But um, yeah, it, it was a it was a good sequel. It was well shot. Um, the director, and I'm not going to try to pronounce his name because I've heard so many different variations. Um, I I like he's he also did the recent Dune, and I like the way he visualizes movies when he's shooting them. So um, I, I I thought it was good. But yeah, I mean I'm basing most of my opinion on Deckard as uh, coming from the original source material by Philip Dick. Um, when you read when you read that book. I don't get replicant from that story. Yeah. And okay. I did so. But I, I mean, I, I've heard the other side of it and yeah, it does have merit, but I mean, I come down on the side of no, he wasn't. Yeah. Well, like the, the original, well, we're going to get it down a tunnel here. JR, <laughs> continue with the question, sir. No, no, you're fine. This is why we got rid of the format and we went a little more open so we have room to have these kinds of fun chats. Well, yeah, I mean... Um, and sometimes we remember to talk about whatever the topic that brought us here. Yeah. So was the director, I think, was Ridley Scott? Was it Ridley uh, for, or his brother? For the first one. For the first one, it was Ridley Scott. Yeah. Um, um, he, he even said that Deckard wasn't a replicant. Yeah. Um, and, and Philip Dick was was around for the movie when they shot it, and I think he actually just came down and said, "No, he's not a replicant." So I'm I'm going to lean toward the guy who wrote the story originally, and and kind of side with him on on if he come out and said, "Yeah, it was," then I'd probably have to seriously consider changing my mind. But so I'll, right. um, are you? I've got a confession to make. So when I was an undergraduate, I was an English major once upon a time. Uh, and there's this theory in English lit. I know, I know. Don't don't like add me to your kill list. But there's this th theory in English lit where they have, yeah, I know. He's gonna get the lipstick and just add me, um, <laughs> Billy Madison. <laughs> anyway, there's this theory. So they did a Robert Frost, the path less taken, uh, and so they were trying to talk about how this was a giant giant metaphor for life, and they made the mistake of doing it while he was still alive to comment on it. And he goes, no, I literally was just out in nature and I decided I wanted to see the untrodden snow. So I went left instead of right. And I mean, I'm, I'm paraphrasing the hell out of it, but the running story was yeah. sometimes yeah. the cigar is just a cigar. Well, the English literature oh, yeah. response to this is, well, no, he meant that. He just didn't know that he meant that. And so now they have determined that the, the English anal literature analyzers can add inference that the author just didn't know he was subconsciously or she was subconsciously adding. Uh, they would still argue that even though Philip Dick said, no, he's not a replicant, he really is because he didn't know that he was wrong. That's like saying, like, oh, we didn't know what he was doing, but his, his subconscious knew what he was doing. That's such yeah. a cop-out. Get bent. There is, one, there is one stream of thought when it comes to literature, and this one I'll buy, is that once you release the story, anything it's that no you didn't, yours. it's no longer yours. So, like, for instance, where J.K. Rowling did the, you know, with the... Um, political culture as it evolved. We're going to dance around this topic. And she would say this person was gay or this pair, but it wasn't in the book. The argument is once you release it in whatever form you release it, the book belongs to the consumers and it, it becomes whatever they, you know, uh, you know, they interpret what you wrote, however fits them and it belongs to them. So if they want that fine, but you can't retroactively, you can't retcon what you wrote. So you don't get to add to the story at that point. It belongs to the audience. And that I actually agree with. Yeah. Because everybody, 
when you read it, with people. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, you can't, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to jump in and be contrarian because that's a big shock for everybody that I would be that way. That's a big um, word. I'm going to have to look that up. <laughs> well, um, you can retcon if you write yourself a back door to get back there. And, and I don't. Then it's not really a retcon. Not, not really, but I mean, I, in a way, yes, it is. And no, it isn't. But as an example, with my Del Rio mystery series, it was originally supposed to be four books. By the, by the time I started book three, I was sick and tired of it. I did not want to do anything else with this series for the rest of my life. So I shrunk it down to three, squished everything into the, that was supposed to be over two books into one. And started doing J.K. Rowling at in the Deathly Hollows book, and I was just wiping out people right and left. Characters were dying, dropping like flies. I did not want to ever come back. But at the end of it, I wrote myself a back door, just in case for whatever reason I wanted to come back, because at the end of book three, and this will be spoilers in a way there's a major character that dies at the end of book three and that would effectively end any reason to continue on. But I, I left myself an opening and I'm glad I did because the way things have worked out, it looks like I may have to go back and write book four as, as a continuation from book three. If certain things happen, um, can't really go into much more than that, other than there is that possibility. I would be screwed if I had not left myself that option, that little door to go back and and basically retcon that person being dead now. Because they may not be if we do. If, if, we, you if have ambiguity, that's not the same as retconning. I didn't really leave ambiguity, but I did leave a paragraph in there that I could use to go back and say, no, he didn't really die. But Without, if, you read, if you read the book and don't know that that paragraph means that, you you think he's gone. And there's no there's no if, ands, or buts about it. So, in a, I mean, I don't know if that's, that's a 100%, you know, the meaning of the word retcon, but to me, it means I can go back and, and, and undo something, which is, I, I think, basically retconning. Um, yeah. But it wasn't, it wasn't left as an ambiguity though. If you, if I don't do anything and people read the three books, they'll never know. They won't even know what paragraph to look for. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you could, I don't think you should. I think once you've written it and it's out, leave it alone. So I looked at um, the Oxford Dictionary says retcon is to revise an aspect of a fictional work retrospectively, typically by introducing a piece of new information that imposes a different interpretation on previously described events. I think fans get more upset when characters act blatantly out of established type or when things get retconned. So that is an example. Oh, of Star Wars, the sequel trilogy. Yeah. That was a big retcon. Yeah. Some people are like, like the whole Holdor maneuver or Hodor maneuver would be an example. Oh my God! Why do you always bring that up when we talk about space combat? You know I'm going to rant. We actually should probably do an episode where you rant about that. Well, we could call it uh, Nick's uh, midweek rant or mid <laughs> midweek midweek Nick's midlife crisis. No, no, no! I don't no, want to do that. No, no, no. That, that was at 42. We're three years past that, man. Keep yeah. up. Oh, oh no, uh, Nick's midweek meltdown. Yeah, there we go. Oh, there you go. I like it. 
I like it. We'll have to see what we can record. Actually, we might have to talk about making that like a thing. We oh, could just God. do like We're a 15 minute short. Sure. The yeah. Wrath of Nick. The Wrath of Nick. The Wrath of Nick. Every week. And then we oh, could do. No, I got one. I got one. I got one. Look, I don't mean to be a Nick about it, but. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I got you. I was picking up your I I was tracking like a cruise missile. Like a cruise, like a dragon. I was tracking like a VCR for you old folks, you know. Or we could go even older, like a Betamax. Oh. Oh. Still bitter. Some people are still mad that that took on, that didn't take on. It's not, it's not their fault that, uh, you know, porn decided to go in the VHS format, making it the superior one. That's what determined what oh, it was going to be. Let's really go dinosaur laser discs. Oh, I love those. They're so you know, huge. You, you know, the most classic and iconic ever line in science fiction involved technology. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do not. The, uh, where they go to the asteroid to blow it up so uh, it doesn't hit Earth. Armageddon. Armageddon. Armageddon yes. And uh, the, the one guy goes, when they ask him what they want to go do this super dangerous mission, and the guy's like, I want you to bring uh, eight track back. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Wanna... Was that uh, yeah. Michael Clark yeah. Duncan's character? Yeah. And I don't want to pay taxes ever. Ever. Yep. Yeah. That was I mean, yeah. That was, those were two of the most iconic lines. And then, of course, when he's writing, uh, which is a callback to um, Slim Pickens and. Uh, yeah. When he was riding the, the gun. When I you when I what the hell was that called? How I learned to love the nuclear bomb or something like that. Yeah, how I learned Doctor how Strange I love. To, love. Dr. Yeah, Strange there we go. Love. Also yeah. known as how I learned to love the bomb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you get up to my age, we can do sixties movies trivia. Unfortunately. All right. So speaking I love of movies trivia, I do too. Uh, because we're polytheistic here, we've got a little bit of a rant, but we don't mind. You're good for it. Uh, Jason and the Argonauts, Sheena. Or Red Sonia, Jason and the Argonauts, with Harryhausen, the with the skeletons. Yeah, Yeah. Harry. Yeah, I can't. I can't get his name out tonight either. No, no. Yeah, I I love that movie. I love that movie. Stabby has a piece of trivia about Harryhausen. Oh, yes. Hold on, let me mute real quick because she loves. Bring her in. We want to hear this. So, um, if you watch Disney movies, specifically Pixar, they um, have a they have a rest they have a restaurant called Harry Housen's in Monsters Inc. And uh, Mike Wazowski's um, girlfriend demands that he gets um, Harry uh, reservations to Harry Housen's for dinner for their anniversary. Nice. And a lot of people don't catch it, but like if you're watching, it's yep, yeah, he um, he had a lot of classic 1950s, 1960s, um, you know, anything with a monster roaming around in it. Likely he did. Um, Yeah, yeah, I I I watched I watched Jason the first time simply because I knew he had done the effects with especially with skeletons. I mean that was that was great with the, the fight scene. Cause it actually looked like they were actually fighting as a, you know, with some, with some of the stop motion, you're like, okay, you're, you're not even, you're not even close, but you're kind of throwing stuff together. 
but he was he was a master at it. So yeah, definitely Jason and the Argonauts. Okay, I, 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 I've watched Red Sonja. I know I have, but I'm not like I couldn't like quote lines from it. But I did love the movie Sheena when I was a kid about the, uh, yeah. the white girl that was living with the African tribes and based off a comic. Was it really? I know she was taking on the yep. man, and I, I don't know. I like the underdog nature of the story. I've always been a sucker for an underdog story. And Red Sonja was awesome. Uh, it's uh, it was a backdoor introduction or pilot from or to break off from Conan. And Arnold Schwarzenegger was in there as a different character, but Schwarzenegger always said, "No, that was just Conan was known in the books to roam around the lands with an mm -hmm. alias, and that was one of the aliases, apparently." So we are actually going to be doing another retro review, but this time we're going to do some fantasy movies. So if you if you like all that, we'll have to get you on to get nerdy with us about some of these shows. Yeah. We so far, we got Dragon Slayer. That's on, on the, the list. On the... We, you guys we, did Forbidden Planet, didn't you? We did Forbidden we did. Planet, and we did um, the yeah. Black Hole. Unfortunately, Black that that movie was made about twenty or thirty years too early, because it's I mean it's it's a it's a classic sci fi film. Um, yeah. if, if, if people ask me my top sci-fi films, that's the first one that comes out of my mouth is Forbidden Planet. I really like their uniforms. If I was going to end up get into cosplaying, I really dig how they did their uniforms. It actually mm -hmm. looked practical. It wasn't like yeah. spandex, like leotards that like, okay, but when they actually got to get worked on, how's that going to work? Because having worked with my hands in the infantry, I'm just looking at that uniform and I'm like, yeah, there's no way that's what the mechanics are actually wearing. Oh, the grace. No. <laughs> no, no, not the gray yeah. suit because the gray suit had the top and bottom that you could pare down. So you just got your undershirt. It's not yeah. that different from what they wore in World War II. You know that works. I'm talking oh, about yeah. the Star Trek style jumpsuits. Then you then you had oh, a Holloman yeah. running around in a navy navy cook outfit, basically. You yeah, know, completely different from everybody else. Yeah, I really dig the robot though because I want Robbie yeah. the robot to Robbie. make any of the gallons of that. What did he say? It was bourbon. like sixty gallons of bourbon. Yeah, yeah. And he put it all in individual bottles in like seven fifties. <laughs> Can you imagine like the crew is like, we're totally doing this for a tax write-off? Because you know, they could have gotten away with props, but they're like, Nope, all of them are real bottles. Oh, yeah, and you know we're they recycle drink it. that glass. We're yeah. gonna recycle that glass. We're getting 10 cents a bottle, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Party at the big house. I mean, not, not gonna lie, if I was doing that, I'd totally add stuff like that just for that reason. It's like Oh, it's a prop. We wrote it off. Where, where'd it go? Oh, we couldn't let it go to waste. It's spoiled. Yeah. I also need 60 gallons of gin because I got uh, mixers I want to make. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure Robbie could whistle that right up, too. Absolutely. That's why I want Robbie, and that's why Robbie is so popular. because he can make <laughs> um, Every time I see a Robbie at a con, which is rare because it takes a lot of work to build that thing, I go up and I ask him for, like, hey, I need 60 gallons of bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> Do they ever get the reference? I hope so. If they're wearing Robbie, man. Yeah, you better. If, if you're doing Robbie, you better know that movie by heart. I can so produce them in 300 different glass bottles. My uh, my youngest wants to get into robotics because Iron Man inspired him. Uh, for all Marvel got wrong, they did a lot of inspiring uh, science fiction in general. I think inspired phases people. one through three Marvel are amazing. But and so parts of phase four. When, when he's told me he wants to do that. So when we were watching the retro review for the planet and the robot was there, I'm like, I want you to make me one of those. 
Why? Because he can make me whatever food I want. And then, of course, it's right before the booth scene. He's like, why would you want that when you could get cookies, Dad? I'm like, you'll understand when you're older. Yeah. <laughs> also, have him make Max Million because I think he would be a wonder chopping up veggies in the kitchen. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a slice matic man. Yeah. yeah, the only problem is you'd have to make sure he's not chopping you instead of the onions. Or right. That. I mean, it's he's a murder bot. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, maybe maybe we can reprogram a little with like uh, a little Julia Child, you know. Maybe it's all whatever. about who you put in the um, in the outfit. Like maybe it's the whatever yeah. body you, you lobotomize for it. Right. I it's mean, like, I, I want could... you put Gordon Ramsay in there. I want I want you to chop <laughs> me up some shit. <laughs> Well, we want someone society won't miss. So let's start in DC. Why am I cutting this up, you trumpet? You know? <laughs> no, no. We, we got to start with useless people, so we got to go to DC first. Oh, yeah. Nobody will miss okay. them. <laughs> oh, here's where we go. I'm, I'm, I'm down for that. But uh, I didn't say what political party, did I? You know I hate them all. Yeah. I wouldn't mind AOC. I bet she, she doesn't know what a garbage disposal is, but I'm sure she can dice up some veggies. Maybe uh, Blumkin. I mean, Blickin. Blipkin? No. I thought we weren't going to go political, Nick. We're go. We, we're, we have trap. We have. I think we took the off ramp. Okay, be sure to send a hate mail to me this time. It'll be in the show notes. I'll answer. Uh, the Blasters and Blades podcast neither confirm nor deny, neither endorse nor support the messages portrayed by Ranger Nick. There you go. Yeah, you're covered. All right, cool. All right, now that we got that the show's right, covered. Right. Me not so much. <laughs> yeah. Nice so, knowing uh, you, Nick, but we're going on here. I'm going to go dark well, and live on the we <laughs> we're no longer knuckle dragging troglodytes uh, now that we're civilians. Sir, are you ready for the last one? Fire away. Coffee or tea, and how do you take it? See, I want to be a smart aleck and say Dr. Pepper because I don't drink coffee. And I rarely drink tea, so I'm go I'm going to lean on my southern roots and say uh, uh, sweet tea if I have tea. Table wine, table wine. Okay, okay, I dig it. Uh, if I wasn't trying to get back in shape to fit back in my uniform by Christmas of next year, uh, I would be drinking the table wine because I love it too. Oh, God, I love it. I miss but, it. Richard, did you say Dr Pepper? Also? Yes. Okay, so that's good. That's from Plano, Texas. Yeah, I love it. I'm a, I'm a Texas boy myself. So, isn't Plano, Texas, like the meth capital of America? Well, it is now. Not when they invented Dr. Pepper, man. No, yeah. Who needs meth when you got DP, man? Come on. Yeah. Then you get cherry DP, which is weird because cherry is one of the 23 flavors. Yeah, so, I, I wondered about that because I know it's in there. I also know another item that's in there that that kind of gave me pause once I found out. Not a big prune fan, but apparently there is prune juice in it. Yeah, I when I when I learned that, um, I was like, no, that ain't right. And then I got a can because I, of course, I had them in the refrigerator, and I mm -hmm. pop one open. I'm like, well, I'll be. <laughs> yep, yep. There's a little bit of prune in there. A little bit of prune in there, which explains okay. some stuff. <laughs> it does. Are you a purist, or can you get down with the uh, Doctor Pibb as well? No, uh, no. it's no, Mister Pibb, dude. Didn't even get his degree. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. Uh, Jim's running joke whenever we went out to lunch or something, though, you know, I'd always ask, do you have Dr. Pepper? And either they would say yes, or they would go no. And Jim would stop them and go, don't say, but we have Mr. Pitt because he will come out from under this table. There's actually a funny, there's a funny interview they did with this lady who was like 98. And she asked how they asked her what the secret of her longevity was. 
Uh, and she was telling about this story where she was talking to her doctor and he told her that she would drink. She didn't like coffee or tea, so she drank three Dr. Peppers a day. And they were telling her that's not good for her and she really needed to stop. And she said, but that was uh, 15 years later. I'm still alive drinking my Dr. Pepper and I went to his funeral. So who knows something about something, huh? And there's this sassy old Southern lady. And I'm like, I mean, you can't argue with that. And that, that makes me think that if I ever make it that old and someone interviews me, I'm just going to throw some like out of the like left field, like, oh, I ate a pine cone a day for longevity. Just something weird just to make people like, what? Just crash your head? Yeah, my wife almost divorced me. We went we went to the doctor together. We were, the insurance wanted our testing done. So they go to do blood for, for the tests on that. And, um, and she had come up with a high blood sugar on hers. And so she's like, okay, I know how much Dr. Pepper he drinks and what he eats. His is going to be higher than mine. Mine actually came in at like 80. Oh, wow. Which surprised me because I know what I, I know my diet. Yeah. But I'm not going to be acting surprised. I'm like, hey, there you go. I didn't mean to hit that button, people. Oops. I'm a black. I was like, oh, usually you give a little prep there. Um, I think three, ra three Ravens is pirating the show now, huh? That is, know. man. I think it's Hillbilly, dude. Hillbilly would do it. I mean, I didn't know if passed him, but I like that dude, so he's all right. He, yeah, he's, he's he would do good. something silly. He's a podcast. I was looking at uh, my dreamland as I found a like a 45 acre plot out in Patrick County, Virginia, and it's just away from people because I've had enough peopling. You know, I'm, I'm ready just to, you know, I, I'm just saying the movie Falling Down makes a lot more sense. The older I'm you get, to, the more sense it makes. Yep. Like well, Red, yeah. the uh, the dad in the 70s show, like uh, Al Bundy, mm -hmm. like they start to make a lot more sense to me the older I get. I'm, I'm a hairy red now, to be honest with you. I There's a couple of things that I've said to the kids. I mean, the good news is I don't have to worry about going gray because I'm going bald first, but. Mm, there you go. My, my, uh, I got to use a red line, though. I yeah. got to use one of his lines once. He Which goes, one? Which one? Uh, my daughter's. It was like, uh, oh man, my, I have such a bad headache because she went out and partied. And I was like, you know what that is? That is your mind trying to comprehend its own stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds like red. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Um, with falling down, when I first saw it, I was you know, obviously much younger. I'm like, man, that dude snapped. I mean, come on, you shake it off, you know, go about your business. Nowadays, no I'm like, dude, you missed a few. Go back, <laughs> you know. <laughs> that 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 realization at a certain age, you're like, mm -hmm. I get it. That tracks. Yeah. yeah. When I was younger, you know, and watched, yeah. it, I was like, man, what is this guy's problem, Dad? Mm -hmm. He's like, shut up. I'm watching a movie, and I'm like, <laughs> okay. And I found myself saying that as an adult. Yeah. Support, I'm like. Were oh, you raised man, in a barn? What are you leaving all the doors open? The, you know, the, the, the faucet running, the lights on, whatever it is. And it's always, oh, were you raised in a barn? And like, now I get it. So when well, I had my first apartment. throw in there a little, a little sugar. And be, it wasn't just, were you raised in a barn? She's like, I know you weren't raised in a barn. There's only one dude I know that was raised in a barn. His name Jesus. <laughs> okay. My, like, my man, dad and mom would always do that to me. And so when I got my first apartment, because the heating and, and AC were separate of each other, so I opened all the doors, all the windows, turned on all the lights, had the AC and the heater running at the same time. And I called my mom and dad, and I'm like, hey, guess what I'm doing? And I told them, this is before you could do like the, the video calls back then. 
and they just started yeah. laughing and they're like, talk to me next month when you get the bill. <laughs> and oh. I called it back the next month and I'm like, you sons of biscuit eaters. You, you son of a biscuit eater. See, now I get mad if someone touches the thermostat. I'm like, who touched the thermostat? Yeah. And it's like, off by like one gram. Like, who touched it? It's like a dad power you get when you have Yeah, kids. yeah. I, I totally get it now. It makes a lot of sense. I'm just saying it makes Don't a lot of sense. Don't be rolling your eyes at me. I can sense it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Don't make me turn this car around. I always, I always like it when my kids couldn't figure out how I figured out what they were up to. And I said, because I was your age once, believe it or not. We were just smart you're doing the, the same everything. stuff that I did back then. So, yeah, yeah, yeah you guys I, ain't special. That's what I call Gen Z. I call them the Columbus generation because they're running around thinking they're discovering shit. Mm -hmm. And they're not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's always fun. I, I, I definitely understand my drill sergeant who had this line every time we would do whoever the house mouse was that was like getting supplies for the barracks. You'd be like, you privates, all you ever want to do is eat, sleep, shit, and use up, oh, my God, damn, toilet paper. And I didn't understand that at the time. But now I've got teenage <laughs> boys. And I'm just saying, I understand that man on a level I never thought I would. Yeah. There's a lot of Hollywood dads that I'm quoting now. One of them is the father from Friday. Oh, uh, yeah. You ever seen it? I, I walk in there, and then there's Caden with his face in the freaking fridge. I'm like, how come I'm in, every time I come in the kitchen, you in the kitchen. <laughs> eating up all my food eating all the pig's feet all the chitlins I like pig's feet I like chitlins you know and he's yeah. looking at me confused because he's never seen the movie so I, that's a double win for me uh, you know what we need to do next year on Father's Day because we miss it this year we really have to have a father and sci-fi episode with all the good one-liners so we could start doing our oh, research yeah. we could do the fathers oh, of yeah. sci-fi as an episode we could do the same for Mother's Day Get some actual moms on and, and have them. Like that could be some fun. Favorite sci-fi mom moments. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that works. Fake moms. What'd she say? Like, like she said, actual moms, not fake moms. I think she's referring to people that call themselves dog moms. Oh yeah. No, nope. they are said actual moms. I said, yeah, actual moms, not fake moms. Yeah, but what do you mean? Well, no, I she's saying that there's. I, I get what, what she's picking. Mean? I'm picking up what she's laying down. Could you could you translate and send that to me? Because I, I, I said actual moms as opposed to like if I'm implying that there are other kinds of moms. So actual moms as opposed to not actual moms. She was she was tweaking my uh, phraseology. I was being a smartass. Now I was referring to actual moms as opposed to like Nick and Richard and I, because clearly we're not moms. I, no, I like hope so. <laughs> okay, I'm I can't on. even handle my own man cold, let alone child cold. <laughs> Like I, I used to do cool shit, but like, yeah, I still I went at like oh that seems like some pain. That seems like getting kicked in the balls times a thousand. Yeah, not yeah. like except for that one time in Thailand, I had to pay extra. <laughs> uh, you I made the. I'm pretty sure you signed a non-disclosure agreement about that, so we're just going to move right on. And since I accidentally hit the wrong button, oops. Um, oh, I'm going to go ahead and get about that. Let's get back on topic, yeah. boys. <laughs> so uh, we did a half an hour talking about the intro religion questions. I had a blast, but now I'm going to hit that commercial. I'm going to go ahead and let Burning Roads be the sponsor, uh, which is not what we planned. But I mean, you know, why not? We already talked about Hillbilly, and maybe if we play it, he'll give us some of his mead. You think? Or money? Money. I'd rather the booze though, because booze is money, yeah. people. Yeah, I currency, so yeah, I my think he can he he can outbid me. So yeah, you might want to do that. My royalties come in gift cards to booze shops. So <laughs> that is love, sir. That is love. 
Oh, I do not disagree with you at all. So, all right, we're going to air that beautiful bean footage, people. Atlanta cabbie by day, amateur auto duelist by night. Ricky Turner is living the dream. That is, until he wakes up in a Gold Cross facility to discover his last match was more than a failure. It was a fatality. Indebted for the cost of the clone body and reboot, Ricky heads back to the arena to do the one thing he knows how to do. Drive offensively. But at the rate amateur matches pay out, it'll take several lifetimes to pay his debt. Luckily, the AADA has announced a new nationwide road rally designed to challenge even the hardiest of auto-dueling teams. Dead Man's Run. Can Ricky and his clandestine crew traverse the wasteland from Atlanta to Sturgis, survive against packs of cannibals, roving biker gangs, and amateur auto-duelists out to make a name for themselves? Welcome to the world of the Car Warriors Auto-Duel Chronicles. Tales from the freeways of the future where the right-of-way goes to the biggest guns and death sports rule the airwaves. From clandestine highway battles to primetime arena combat, jump behind the wheel, follow the fast-paced action, and never forget to drive offensively. Burning Roads, Dead Man's Run, Book One by William Joseph Roberts, narrated by Joshua Saxon, available from Three Ravens Publishing on Amazon and anywhere books are sold. So, so basically, uh, that was Damnation Alley meets Cannonball Run. Yeah, but also Damnation when, when Nick and I were yeah. uh, in Iraq, we had the expression "drive it like you stole it" was the way we would talk yep. about that kind of aggressive driving. Uh, and when I taught our replacements how to drive aggressively, it had some official boring army name, but we called it Road Rage One Hundred and One. That was yep. fun. Combat it was a. Uh, uh... It was defensive driving is what they put it. What they really meant offensive driving, because I took it as a offensive driving and we had a welder in our squad and i had him put a bulldozer shovel in the front of our humvee little did i know that the shovel outweighed the humvee and we were just kind of like riding an endo the whole time and just making sparks but then when we got the uh the one one the 11 the up armored ones that were already heavy as shit we did that experiment again and it was great success much fun they gave you the one one, the eleven fourteens. Yeah, I had the nine hundred. Well, I mean, the entire freaking I think time. we earned it. We took four IED blasts on what we called Frankenstein Six, which is us just welding metal plates to shit. According to my official vet the VA record, I was uh, thirty five concussions from thirty five separate IEDs. My nickname, That's one of bad. them, was Lucky, and they didn't mean it as a compliment. Yeah, that's not so much. They, I would have nicknamed you Voodoo. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was an interesting time to be alive. Although, if I'm just saying, if they gave gun truck operators the same credit counting system that they gave pilots in aerial combat, I was an ace three times over. Those V beds didn't stand a chance. I got to fire a, the first grappling hook at another car and drag it in combat. So that is freaking awesome. Cool. I cannot claim that one. What I will say is our, our first sergeant volunteered us for so many missions that the sergeant major of not just our division, but the 101st airborne in the third army came down to give our first sergeant a little lecture on taking care of his jokes. That's how many missions he volunteered us for. Uh, uh, I was on route. I, mean, Irish. Cool. I lived on it for weeks. Uh, and if you know, you know, yeah, I if you know, you know. 
We did that's all the I runs. Driving school. Yeah, that's where we went. All we did all the runs to Mortaritaville, otherwise known as LSA Anaconda. Uh, uh, good times. Good times. Yeah, I love having flashbacks. Yeah, I'm I'm the the non-vet in the group because I prefer to be the shooter as opposed to be the target. So, mad respect for you guys for what you have done. 11 Bravo, professional bullet magnet. Yep. (laughs) Uh, There's a famous quote from the Civil War about the feeling of being shot at and missed uh, that it comes to mind, but I'm – TBI moment and it's not it's not rattling around all the way. Yeah. Or maybe it was, I don't know. I, I'm just I too lazy to Google that right now, but maybe Stabby will come in for us in the pinch and find that Stabby's gonna be clutch. Yep. Yeah. She's always she's clutch. Uh, she is the in addition to being Madam Stabby Stab, she is the Maven of the Googles. There you go. Uh Civil War quote about uh bullet missing you. Yeah, I've, I've I've had the pleasure of having a gun pointed at me twice, and as far as I'm concerned, thing. that was that was three times too many. I so, found yeah. it. Google is my friend. Nothing is so exhilarating as to be shot at without result. Winston Churchill. But I'm pretty sure there was a quote about that from uh, the devil known as William Tecumseh Sherman, and about making war awful. Sure, that, that sounds like me. something Sherman would come up with. That reminds me of another quote. Uh, one of my favorite authors, Hemingway. Uh, I emulate his writing style as far as in I drink a heavy, copious amounts of bourbon and then start doing stuff. Uh, there was nothing hunting. There was no hunting like the hunting of man. And those who have hunted armed men long enough and liked it will never hunt anything else after. There is something to be said about when you come home from those kinds of missions. Uh, everything else just seems a little less exciting. I could believe that. And other shit didn't really uh, rouse me up too much. It's like, um, yeah, that's cool. Like, I was the dog drinking tea in that room that's on fire. That meme. Like, yep. Yeah, this is fine. This is fine right it's here. Just, I know. Totally I'm used right. to this. <laughs> now, yeah, the the only thing that I could even come up with in my life because I in the back in the before times I worked in the oil fields in West Texas, and one of our jobs we had we had we were drilling for water. To, to build a station for the, the big rigs to, to get brine water, which is basically 100% salt water, so that they could drill deep enough. So our job was to go out and drill little water wells and build a station where they could be close enough to get a lot of water to the rig. So we're, one of our rigs was out there um, south of Monahans, Texas, in the sand hills, and they shut down for the day, come back the next morning, and there's mud everywhere. I mean, of course just like it, it blew up, right? find out that we had hit a natural gas field down there. So they switched the station to a natural gas producing because you didn't have to have a pump for that. The gas was blowing up the the whole all on its own. So what the thing was, you had to have a pipe down there and every once in a while you had to go and you had to, to open up the pipe because it was getting clogged up. Only right. way you could do that is to run a strip of explosives down 350 feet. Wow. Set it off, get that cable out, and then slam the wellhead down before everything came up because we yeah. we put a bunch of water on top and it could only but it would only hold for so long. We never got the wellhead completely down to avoid getting hit with a bunch of salt water. But at least the wellhead got on. Because if that if the wellhead's off, we're toast. 
So one day we're doing this. We're getting set up. We've got the well head off. We're getting ready to put the explosives down. There are signs everywhere. Do not smoke live gas field. <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> and we're out in the middle of nowhere. So this dude comes up in his pickup, drives into the pad, jumps out of his truck with a lit cigar. I know where this what, is going. Goes, what are y'all doing? I said, well, I'm writing my will because we're about to die. <laughs> and he goes, what? I said, turn around and look at the sign five feet behind you. Right. He reads it. He turns around. Why is she? He goes, I bet y'all wish I put this out. I said, could you? Before you blow us up? Because if that field had gone and if we had screwed up the explosives, there would be a crater, like the meteor crater that you see in Arizona. We would have yeah. created that crater and we so wouldn't like be here. Or something like that. It, it did. No, we, it, that, that field was huge. Yeah. And the guy pulls up with a lit cigar and we're like, oh my God, we're dead. That must have, that must have what happened. So it's no secret that I'm a, a border patrol agent. Um, we were working deer by the river in South Texas and uh, we get out of the truck one day just to go check. We, we'd got a call that some groups have run through. So we're out there running sign, checking sign, looking for footprints essentially. And then all of a sudden we get rained on by a literal shit ton of mud. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize at the time that there was an oil field a couple farms over. Yeah, they had they hit us. They hit us from about, it had to been over a mile. Yeah, I can believe it. And we're now our nice fancy <laughs> uniforms in the Texas heat during summer with the humidity. Now we're all just like covered in mud. Our green went to brown real uh-huh. quick. Yeah, drilling drilling mud too. They probably had the stuff that they mix in it to make it thicker. So yeah, yeah. you, yeah. Yeah, I I remember those days with no, not even a single ounce of fondness. Um, I, I didn't even try to recover the uniform when I got no. back that day. It went right in the dumpster, and me and my partner both, with our body armor, which was still covered up, we got to keep that. Um, mm-hmm. But we were in our underwear and our socks. We threw our boots out too, and our rifles, and we went and turned it in. And the guy that was taking me is like, "All right," he grabs a rifle and he's like. What did you do? What the hell, what the hell happened to you two? Yeah. Luckily, oh, yeah. towards the end of shift. Well, oh, the, the man, good thing is, the, the good thing is when we got hit with the, either the salt water up the well or if we had a blowout and the mud was everywhere, um, we you would just walk over to the station because it's an overhead uh, pipe and, and you just little hose comes down and you fill up a tanker truck, a full-size tanker truck. So they don't take all day to get that filled up. So you would just walk over there and you would take turns standing underneath it. Somebody pulled the cord and you get doused until all the water, yeah. all the salt, all the mud was gone. And then you spent the rest of the day. And in summer, it wasn't so bad but you spent the rest of the day drying out, but at least you could, you could still reuse your clothes, but it took that kind of water power to get that yeah. stuff out. You know? So yeah, I know what you went through that day. So you probably understand some of the things we did. You would sweat weird patterns, and because it was so hot in the Middle East, mm-hmm. as deserts are dry heat, anywhere that's dry heat, this applies. That you would have weird patterns because the salt would stain your uniforms, because mm-hmm. it would it would the way the whatever. So we used to have contests when we would take off our, our flak jacket when we'd go into the tent to sleep uh, when we were fob jumping. Oh, salt stain! Did you do salt stain art? 
Yeah, to see one guy had a swear to God it looked like yeah. Jesus was in his alt stain, and the chaplain <laughs> yeah. swore like the chaplain. We were like we called the base chaplain. We're like, hey, we need you to come here and judge this contest. He goes another freaking, and he said freaking, not effing. He said another freaking salt stain yeah. contest. Let me guess, Jesus. And I'm like, wait, there's been others. <laughs> yeah. Wait, you seen the first one? Yeah, he comes out and he goes, well, crap, this one actually looks like Jesus. And I'm like, so we won. Uh, so I got to ask you because the desert can get cold in the winter. It's especially certain yeah. deserts, right? Yeah. So we're we're down in, in West Texas. Um, if you find Ozona on the map, we're in that general area. I know where worst, Ozona is. We're, worst wet winter in decades. It was cold. It was like 20 below as soon as the sun disappeared. Mm -hmm. So we're out there, and we're, we're at a point where sometimes you just got to keep going. You don't get to go home, and you don't get to go to sleep. You catch a nap in the truck of the cab and, and just keep going because you, you have to. Yeah. So we're out there, and we started building a fire at night just so we'd have somewhere to get warm. Some sort of warmth. So, so I'm working, and my dad was the driller for this rig. I worked with him for a few years. And I'm I'm doing something out in the on the perimeter where the lights were. And I look back, and my dad's sitting next to the fire, and he's talking to the other hand, and my dad's left leg is on fire. He had he had overalls on that were insulated and, and fire. Yeah. Yeah, you know, but he was still on fire from about midway down the, the leg from the knee down. Oh, wow. And he's not doing anything but standing there talking. I'm like, okay. So I, I walked over as quickly as I could. I didn't run, but I walked over. I go, so how are we doing? Feeling warm? He goes, yeah. I go, that's why. And he looks down and he goes, how? <laughs> Takes his coffee out, douses it. He goes, damn, I was finally feeling warm for the first time in a month. <laughs> yeah, to light yourself on fire. You heard that, um, the night on the barge of Lake Lamarge where he buried Sam McGee. That's that poem. It makes sense. No, so with the desert in Iraq, because that's my desert experience, um, it wasn't that it got that cold in the winter. It's just when it was at night, the temperature dropped because there was nothing to hold the heat. That yeah, it would go from like degrees. 100 to – 60 or 70, which here in the States, we're like, oh, that's comfortable. I'll walk out in t-shirts and shorts. But for you, you're like, man, I'm freaking dying. Where's my Arctic gear? It's because yeah. of the, the, such a drastic change is what made it colder more than Dude, the I, I almost got hypothermia at 87 degrees. Yep. Because it believe was that. so hot during the day. It was like, yeah. uh, it was it was teetering on 120. And I was in the palm grove. So I was getting humidity too, right next to Ugh. the tigers. So, I was there. As soon as that sun dropped, that wind started kicking up across the uh, the river, and next thing you know, it's 87 degrees, and I'm putting on all the snow gear I got in my rucksack, and we're cuddling for warmth. Three barrel-chested freedom fighters that kills bad guys, you know, stacks bodies for a living, thinking about, should we get naked to conserve body heat? Wow. Yeah, we didn't. We, we suffered through the night. Nobody got a wink of sleep. So, but we were cold. You did not enlist in the Marine Corps. That is good to know. No, 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 no. Because we weren't underway. So you can't do that kind of stuff. Yeah. There are rules. I understand. I mean, you got to play by the rules, man. Don't hate the player, hate the game. So yeah, we, right. we, um, we were there the year, because you were there the same year I was in 05. It got hot enough yeah. that one of the mercury thermometers on, on, um, on Anaconda when we were there, it went up to 140, oh. which is where it maxed out. It exploded because it got hotter. Yeah. Build up so much pressure that at 140 it couldn't take it. It was my friends that are scientists will tell me that means it was between 150 and 160 that day to make the the, the probably plus. where it was. Yeah, because there's a lot of metal in those. 
I remember seeing yep. the email about having to wrap it up in cold water and you had to rotate that every 30 minutes. So I wasn't wow. important enough to get those emails. I just came when they said gun trucks up and that was that. I wasn't important enough either, but somehow I weaseled into that <laughs> blockchain, into the, into no. that distro list. They're like, oh, Sergeant Garber probably wants to know about this. He likes science. Hey. And I'm like, no, not that much. I'm in, I'm, no, I'm in no. combat, bro. Hey, Leave sometimes it's, it's not who you are. It's who you know sometimes. Or, or who hates well, you? you? the asshole that put me on that distro. That's what it was. Somebody hated yep. me. I <laughs> me on that distro last call. I get like 90 emails a day about, oh, you got to wrap this oh, in yeah. wet, wet towels. And I'm like, why do I care about this? I'm out here in the field. I'm going to wrap myself in a wet towel. So you, you'll get a kick out of this then, Nick. I don't know if we've talked about this on the show. Uh, when I was getting ready for my first deployment, they sent us to desert warfare training to prepare us for what we would experience in the Middle East at Fort Dix, New Jersey in the winter. So we did our desert training operation wearing DCUs, rolling in three feet of snow that year. Yeah, they sent me to JRTC. I, I got to go to Fort Dix. I'd probably rather go to JRTC. But Fort Dix is right Nobody next to Nobody wants to go to Fort Dix. That place is hell. It's right next to an Air Force base, and we used to try to outrun their guards to get under the wire so we could use their DFAC. Not that they really cared, because DFAS doesn't care. Like, they're paying regardless. But but their chain of command and our chain of command cared. So it became a race of us against them. Could you outsmart them? And get good chow. I don't know. They're, they're supposed to be the smart branch, too. Well, go? we outsmarted them a few times, and we were smart enough to bring backpacks to sneak some back in case we couldn't make the repeat. Because uh, when you would breach the fence, they would generally, the, the guards would come and be like, oh, somebody clipped the fence. Let's fix the fence. So you couldn't you couldn't go to the same spot because they would expect that. So you had to keep You guys were nice enough to clip it? <laughs> what, what else would you do? I mean, they wouldn't give uh, us TNT. Now we had debt cord. <laughs> we we blew the fucking fence, dude. We were just straight leg nasty girls. Like they weren't trusting us with debt cord. Oh, dude, I I was in when I deployed to Iraq. I was in the National Guard. I was just in a specialty unit that had access to debt cord. <laughs> they did not like us that much, or maybe they knew about me and they'd heard stories because. Ah. Well, I mean, you bring down blame... town and they take away your Mark Nineteen and they get really pissy. I think the reason I got that stuff and I blame my 201 file when I left active duty is that I was, I went to basic demolitions course. Uh, my instructor had two of the five fingers he was supposed to have. And apparently that's the guy you want to trust. Mm, okay. He, I, he let me make a snowman at a C4 because it was December. It? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Nice. We only got about, we only got about like, Three and a half feet tall. That was all the C4 we had. And it was the, the last uh, detonation of the course. It's like, uh, we're going to let a specialist Garber at the time. Like, he has an idea. He wants to make a snowman. And it was like, oh, hell yeah, dude. Blow that shit. So everybody was helping me in the course. We're getting C4 from all kinds of places. Um, and we build this three and a half foot tall snowman at a fucking C4. And it was snow. There was snow on the ground. There was frozen ground because we're in Fort Lewis, Washington. And we put it out probably about 300 meters. And the, the lead demo instructor is like, nah, you're going to probably want to go a little bit further than that. We got about a thousand yards of debt cord. So take it so, a thousand so yards gonna, away. So this is going to hit because some, some of our older veterans might have actually done basic training at Fort Dix because at one point in time. That was up until I think the eighties, a basic training location as well. So what sucks yes, more, Fort Lewis or Fort Dix in the winter? I mean, Fort Lewis sucks, but it's not in New Jersey, which adds a level. Where is, of no. Fort Lewis? Where is Washington, Washington State? 
So you get a mixture of like it'll snow one night and then okay. rain night or get a you'll get a mixture of snow and rain at the same time it's really weird having not been at either fort but knowing what i know about new jersey i would say fort dix oh, new, jersey, sucks. New, new jersey just sucks and i'm sorry for people who live in new jersey get out as quick as you can but that state i've been there <laughs> i went through there once to go to a wedding from new york city to philadelphia and back and i could not get through that trip fast enough from just what I could see when I was looking out the window, I was like, "Like no. New Jersey snow is different." It they, as Kevin Hart would call it, you got that slushy shit. You know, it's yeah. like one minute it's hard as rock, the next minute it's like, yeah, like a Seven Eleven slurpy all over the place. It's slushy, you know, and you're slipping all over. I'm, man, I almost broke my fucking tailbone over there. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. I, I spent oh. four years in North Dakota, so oh. Yeah, no, New hard. Jersey and DC. Yeah, Dakotas use you get two kinds of snow. You get powder when it's fresh, and you get it rock hard when it's been around for a while. And you and I you get it. a lot of it too. Feet, feet worth. Feet. Yeah, worth. we we went to my my dad passed away a couple of years ago, and originally the plan was we were going to bury him up there in North Dakota next to my grandfather. We had the thing planned out, and. The mortuary calls me up about a week in advance. He goes, we probably need to postpone. I said, well, if we do this, it, it may be next year before we can get up there. He goes, trust me, we need to postpone. We've got a storm coming. And when, when you hear that, right, if you've lived in North Dakota, when somebody says a storm's coming in the winter, you go stock up. And yeah, sure yeah. enough. The next time I, I hear this guy, I hear from this guy, he goes, okay, um, we finally got out of our house. It's been five days before they could even get out, okay? And he goes, we, we're we definitely postponing, and it may be a few months before we even get to the cemetery, because right now, the only way we know where it is, one pine tree is sticking up yeah. out of the snow. Just one and if, oh if, if I could show you, there's pine trees around that cemetery. So if the blast one's the only one you could see, they got bombed. Apparently, oh, the, yeah. the blizzard came and just parked right on top of North Dakota for four oh, days. My Lord. So, yeah. That's one way to get out of peopling. I approve of this. <laughs> yeah. yeah if, you want, if, you do, if you want to go somewhere where there's not a whole lot of people, move to North Dakota. I think they've only got like. 500,000. You, you used to say Montana was that, but a lot of people that left Washington State and Oregon and California because they didn't agree with some of the management possibilities yeah. have now moved there, and the land prices have gone crazy. Texas is yeah. seeing there's a the border patrol station yeah. there. Well, we're, we're planning on, my wife and I, when we retire in a couple of years, we're actually planning on moving to North Dakota. Nice. Because so, so it's going to be funny having Tuscany Bay books with our logo being the sea and we're, you know, what, 1500 miles from the nearest ocean. I approve. I'll, just, I'll just send you pictures <laughs> from St. Augustine, Florida. Cause that's where I'm retiring. <laughs> I'm yeah, going well, to the Appalachian mountains. And if I hear banjos, I'm just going to keep walking. I'm ignoring keep it. Walking. Keep I'll walking. I'll never go. I, I plan on never stepping foot in Georgia ever again after ranger school. So, yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for people when I tell them I'm the publisher at Tuscany Bay Books. Oh, where's that at? Like the coast? No. 
we're dead center it of the was. country. <laughs> well, when we when we started it, it was in Los Angeles, but now we're in North Dakota. So I and I'm not changing the name again. So no, yeah, Tuscany Bay and North Dakota. It's like, well, I mean, I'm sure there was a, a glacier ocean yeah. here a millennia ago. Yeah. But just, the, just let the snow melt, the Missouri will flood, and we'll have we'll have boats everywhere. We're fine. So when I was uh, at that Fort Dix in the winter, this is the funniest thing. This is the funniest thing I remember of any of my time in the Army. You're supposed to because we're at this FOB. I think they call it Eagle. It's the training FOB before we go to Iraq. Uh, and you're supposed to be in battle rattle the whole time. So your flak jacket, your uh, suspender belt with all your gear because they hadn't changed over how they had us wearing it. Your Kevlar, your boots, and your gun. That was your rifle. That was your, your standard uniform. The presumption was you would also be wearing your camouflage uniform. This guy woke up in the middle of the night had to use the bathroom, something that MRE was tearing through his bowels. And so I'm standing guard and all of a sudden this naked man is running out, literally wearing boots, flat jacket, the, the LBV suspender vest and his Kevlar popping around on his head as he's running to the shitter. And I'm just like, I mean, <laughs> okay, it's cold. I get it. You get a pass. I'm just saying, sir, maybe pink. <laughs> but I mean, he was in the, the required uniform of the day to the letter and I just every time I think about the cold, I remember that guy running out to the porta potty and laughing. If you guys want to go from extreme hot to extreme cold in a small amount of time, just live in Vegas. Yeah. Because you'll be 120 and then the sun will set and you'll be at 42 and you'll be freezing because you've been at 120 all day. And then out of left field, winter decides to join the party, and you're dropping down into the 20s. You walk out, there's snow in the morning, but then you're back up into the 80s by the afternoon. Vegas don't know what it wants to be when it grows up. Yeah. <laughs> I drove through there in July one time. It was already 120, and we got outside south of Vegas where they've got those big whatever solar collectors are. And you could just feel the heat radiating off of them. You're you're miles away on the freeway. You okay over there? He's having a coughing fit. No dying on um, the show. <laughs> well, if you do, we charge extra and put it on camera, okay? Okay, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, it's so Go ahead. So I just realized yep. we're an hour in, Richard, and we came here to talk about <laughs> Tuscany Bay books. And it's come up incidentally about your logo as you move to North Dakota. And if yeah. you do notice, as this segue, nobody ever talks about South Dakota. Everyone wants to go to North Dakota. I don't know no. why they don't like South Dakota, but nobody does. That's now, what it's monsters. Now, South Dakota has Mount Rushmore and nothing else. Just keep on going. Well, I'm going to piss off everybody before this night's over at this rate. I got oh, that's what we're here for at the oh, Blasters yeah. Blades podcast. Yeah. We don't get hate mail. We we've been waiting months for hate mail to be to get sent to Abby. Well, yeah, not, like, a line, not a drop. Yeah, no, no. North Dakota and South Dakota is a hate hate relationship anyway. So I got. But yeah, it's um, it it'll be interesting when when we do move up there. Um, I'm sure I'm going to spend half of my time trying to explain why. Uh, a, a company with a, a ship uh, a, a sailing the sea logo is in the middle of North Dakota, but you know, I'm willing to have that conversation. Just throw on your sunglasses and be like, deal with it, Jeff. Yep. We'll, we'll build our house in the shape of a ship and just screw with everybody's head there. That, that'll work. You got a little, little moat area. <laughs> I want the guy that has the, the turret, like, you know, like the, the round metal stone on his key, like, 
there's a company out of Iowa, Iowa or Idaho, I can't remember, that will actually build houses like a castle with a brick face. You oh yeah, it's Iowa. Your, it's Iowa. I don't Iowa like has I more castles than Europe. Yeah, you know I um I priced it before the, the the Great Depression that we're living through with the economy uh, in the current day. And so I don't it's know if I could afford it anymore. But I'm just saying, like, when I buy my dream homestead, I will have a moat, I will have a castle, and I want secret passageways. I want access codes so I can get in if I'm ever in the t- in town, make you a spaghetti dinner out of uh, Chef Boyd. Dude, we'll, we'll totally, like, have our bourbon up on the turret, whatever they call the little patio up there, where in theory we could do guard duty. And if we put our rifle there, it's technically we're on watch. We're not drinking, we're on watch. You're gonna put me on the watch when I come to visit. Oh, that's wow. That's cold. That's dog. As my kids say, that's dog water, bro. <laughs> dog water. Oh, uh, so so back to this uh, Tuscany Bay books. So first question, hour in. You know, we we sometimes, like I said, remember to talk about whatever the topic was. But you guys seem to like this, dear listener. This unscripted uh, hour with with Jr. and Nick. But how did this company start? Like, what's the origin story? Uh, well, to be honest, it. it started back in 2007 when I was up in Northern California and um, I was winding down my newspaper days and I wanted to, um, to, you know, do something else. Um, well, we wound up doing an online magazine uh, with a print version and that was Tuscany Bay Publishing's first, first run. Didn't take off, you know, small business. They don't always succeed. It's just the way it is. Um, but I kept it going because I was I was just getting ready to start writing my own books. And um, I think I, I released a couple of short stories on Amazon in the early days just to have them out there. Didn't really try to do too much with it and just kind of let it set until I decided after about two years of being a traditionally published author that I was tired of doing all the heavy lifting and giving away 90% of what the book made to the publisher and to my agent who really weren't doing that much when it came right down to it. I mean, the, the publisher had a newsletter they put out. That was the extent of their advertising. My agent did even less. And I'm sure she's going to be happy to hear that, but too bad. Um, so I, I decided that I was done with that. I had uh, escaping infinity. I had just finished and I wanted to, try indie. So I just resurrected Tuscany Bay Publishing and released um, released Escaping Infinity. It did well. I wound up getting on a radio show that was based out of Los Angeles called The Writer's Block. And the host was Jim Christina. And as it turned out that first night when I came in, uh, we got to talking. We discovered that um, I had just moved down to Simi Valley. And I could walk out my front door, tee up a three iron and one hop his front door. We were that close out of all of LA. And it was so, so odd. So there was a couple of times where he had me on as a guest, as a co-host when his other co-host was absent. And I would just drive over to his house and and drive in. Then I became a permanent co-host. And one, one night we're driving in and he goes, so look, I've got black dog publishing. You've got Tuscany Bay Publishing. What do you say? We combine them together. We form our own publishing house. And we we start publishing other authors besides us. Because we had come across some people on the show uh, that were looking to, to either 
find a new publisher or get published. And, and he thought it'd be a good idea for us to have that option. And um, I, I went, yep, yeah, sounds good. Let's give it a shot. I, I like I said, I had low expectations of where this was going to go. And it, um, oh, I'd say for the first year, you know, I think we had our stuff. We had, um, we had it, we had, I call it a, a, a how did we phrase it? It was, it was a, a comedy. It was women's comedy kind of a book. It, it was okay. Um, then we had another one was a nonfiction. And, and I, I kind of felt that was where we were going to be doing one or two titles a year. And um, it took off when the planetary series became available when, when um, Superversive Press shut down. And they said, we'll let anybody who has a publishing house who wants to try to finish it, do it. And I'm thinking, I want us to do science fiction other than just what I'm doing. Here's the perfect way to get into it. Let's finish this series. Let's publish the, at the time it was 90 people who had stories in the 11 volumes. We did that and it seemed to kind of kickstart some things for us. Um, you know, now I, I, I should have counted before, but I think we're we're pushing like 80 titles right now. And I I never thought we'd be knocking on the door of 100 published titles this quickly. You know, I, I really thought we'd be doing three or four at the most per year. So we are way ahead of schedule of what I wanted or what I thought we would do. Um, and, and we're growing still. I mean, I've I've got people still submitting stuff even though we're pretty much, we've got our, our publishing schedule for the next three years already set. Wow. So, you know, it's, it's doing well. Um, you know, it started off small. It was just two Italian guys who were on the radio in Los Angeles. And you know, unfortunately, Jim isn't here anymore to see where we're going. And I just, I just hope that um, we're doing him proud. I'm sure you are. You guys are doing good things. So what all genres do you produce? You didn't cover that. <clears throat> well, we do, uh, we do science fiction and fantasy. Um, mostly the fantasy is urban fantasy, uh, especially with Declan Finn's St. Tommy's books. That was another series we inherited with another publisher uh, shuddered. Um, I, I kind of seem to be a refugee center. <laughs> you know, somebody, somebody loses their publisher. They still got more books. Come on bring them over. Um, but we, we, we do that. We've got Westerns and that is something we'll continue doing because that was Jim's um, specialty. In fact, he started on an, another Western that was a sequel of one he and I wrote that was originally, he was supposed to write that one. And then I would write the second sequel. And so I'm going to take what he had and kind of mix it in with mine. So we'll have one more, at least one more Western. Uh, we do mystery thrillers and, we have some nonfiction. Two of them are sports books that I wrote, and the other two are um, what I would say Christian theme poetry by Rob Jones. In fact, one is inspired by um, I'm gonna by Lewis. I'm, I'm I, I can't remember the the second initial. It's C C M C M Lewis. Brain fart. Yeah, but yeah. So that, that's pretty much what we're gonna do. Um, there's very few areas we won't publish. I would say romance and erotica, definitely not going to happen. 
Um, but other than that, you know, we, we're kind of open. We the the big thing is, is it an entertaining story that we think people are going to enjoy reading, and that's the only criteria I have. I mean, maybe we could convince you to change your mind. Nick's got this idea for Yeti romance. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah a Yeti's involved, but there's some other creatures involved too for a love triangle. I'm just saying. I mean, I'm not judging. No, I'm not Better judging not. either. I just don't know. You know, that that might be that that one step over the line for us. It's not like I'm bringing feet into it. <laughs> Sorry, don't go too crazy. Fetish. This is a family <laughs> I will read it. I just do. I make. I make. You know. I tell people when they I go, would hey, write it as a book. comedy, though. It, it's meant that, to now be that fun. might be publishable if it's if it's definitely comedy it's meant satire, to be right? Comedy parody satire. Oh, there it, you it, go. It's meant to take a jab. And, yeah, I mean, and have a laugh. I tell everybody who asks, you know, can I submit this? By all means, submit. I will read it. The only thing I won't do is promise that I'm going to publish it. You know, I'll have a female antagonist looking for, because uh, she's going to have a foot fetish. Uh, yeah. And she heard Yeti's had the biggest feet in the game. Damn. I don't know. <laughs> might be, we, we might be we might be right up against the line there. We'll see. I'll, I'll throw in some Santa's elves, make it family friendly. They'll tickle his feet with candy canes. It'll be hilarious. We'll all have a laugh. No? Lord. Not so much. My wife's giving me the no-go. She's giving okay. me roughing you the You are a no-go at this station, sir. I, I, will, I will yield to Madam Stabby Stab's veto. I did yeah. write... Um, like you about said, some eight, some ideas you shouldn't write down. They get a little too dark. Yeah, we're, we're starting to get close to the one I have, all right? <laughs> I, I wrote. I did write the Vacuum Sucks Hard Adventures of the USS Big Stick about space Amish and space Mennonites fighting, um, like, sex goddesses. Yeah. It, it was, <laughs> yeah. It, it hey, was, no, was, there, there is a guy, um, and I did. I had him on for one of my podcasts who wrote Amish vampire and Amish werewolf stories and they sell like crazy. And to me, if somebody brought that to me, I'd like, no, go away. No, we're not going to do that. But he's got them out. He's doing fine. I think he's up to like four or five books now. And I just, I just shake my head. It's like, okay, he found a market. Well done. You know, good, good for you, sir. For you, bud. Yeah. Oh, that sounded like another veto. (laughs) <laughs> all right. All right. All right. So we've talked about how your a company come to be. Um, what are you um, like? What are you expecting to publish in 2024? You got any big plans? Oh, well, yeah, we've got We're if everything goes according to plan, we'll have a new release every month. Um, but I will I will preface that with when does everything always go to plan right um right. the, the next our next release is scheduled for january the 9th and it's it's one of my books um it's sea dragon which is the comic book that i was the lead writer for back in the 80s and i ran into the last surviving uh creator of that comic book series um a couple of years ago in omaha and um, i was telling him you know, I've got this idea. We only had six issues before the company shut down. I was just getting to where I could get into his backstory and really lay things out. I've always felt like 
I wanted to finish that. Would you mind if I do a novelization? It won't, it won't be a comic book or a graphic novel. It's going to be a straight up novel. And he goes, sure, go for it. Um, so I, I get to, I get to go back and kind of do what I originally wanted to do um, with some better ideas. Now, you know, I, 35 years later, you've learned some things that you can apply and, and make it a better story. So that should be out. Um, I've got, I've got Firstborn's Curse is coming out in March. And then the next StarQuest fourth age story comes out in July. Then we've got, I'm looking at my board here as I'm trying to rattle this off. We've got Lori Janeski has a sequel to Phoenix. And hopefully by October, we will have John C. Wright's StarQuest 12th Age stories starting with his first book. And it's right now it's a 12 book series that he's got. And the reason why we had to hold is he found a huge issue and had to go back and rewrite the previous eight books. So as soon as he gets that fixed, we'll uh, we'll get those started. So that's going to keep us busy. Declan Finn's got one coming up at the end of the year. Uh, so six business light ops. So yeah, we've got we've got a lot going. We've got a lot coming. We've got two debut novels scheduled for the last third of the year. If I'm looking at my schedule right, so yeah, we we we're going to have plenty out there. Uh, sci-fi, fantasy, um, urban fantasy, and then we got a mystery thriller. That's one of our debut novels. Should be Ooh. interesting. Yeah. Title is Happily Ever After, Death of a Hitman. Ooh. That, I, I see playbill potential on that. New York City, Broadway. <laughs> like it's actually... Salesman. It's 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 about a hitman who operates in Southern California. Oh, I'm just God, saying, you live in Southern California. This is I'm just saying, is it you? No, it is not me. It is not me. No, but, he's um, talking about me because I live in San Diego. No, I I I I will be interesting to. It'll be interesting to see where in Southern California it's set. But I know it is. Um, it is set in the general LA area, and it uh, the main character is the hitman. Palo Alto. That's where all the hitmen live. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we've got. Wait, did I guess it? Did I guess it? Is it Palo Alto? No, 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 no. Um, no, it's. I, you know what? I haven't seen. I haven't read the. I haven't read it all the way yet. So I don't know where. I just know it's. It's going to be down in the L.A. basin because he's. He's got uh, some place up in the mountains where you can look down and see the whole. Basically. Oh yeah, that there's lots of places. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, like you could be Mulholland. Ten towns. Yeah, it could be Mulholland. Yeah, it could be the Pasadena, San Gabriel Mountain Range because you can yeah. kind of see LA yeah, from there. Yeah, when you're going up into the grapevines. Yeah, so I'm I'm curious to see where in LA this is going to come down at, but you know we'll see. Shit, Richard. Now I'm curious. Now I got to spend another twenty bucks on a book. <laughs> Well, I'm good. curious about where this guy's living because I'm gonna. As, I'm gonna as soon as I Zillow. know, as soon as I know, I'll slip you a little email. Yeah, I'm gonna look yeah. it up on Zillow. See where, where if, I, if it fits my price range. <laughs> so, you've talked about the books you got coming out, and you've talked about the genres you cover. Are you guys open for submissions at the moment, or are you closed since you're a one man shop at the moment? Um, right now, we're closed because we just 
you know, like I said, we've got such a full slate right now. I don't want, I don't want to bring in new people because it may be two or three years before we can get them on into the schedule. So I think to me, it would drive me nuts to have to wait three years for my book to get published. Um, so I'm, I've closed it. So that way somebody is not sending me something and it's going to be a no simply because I don't have, I don't have a space for you. I don't have a slot just to fit you in right now. Um, and I don't want to, I don't want to bombard the market to where, you know, there's just too much out there and, and we, we have books not selling because, you know, it's just a tsunami of books coming out. So it's, it's a balancing act. I'm sure at some point in 2024, we'll reopen. And you can go to our website. There's a page there. Uh, right now it says, we're you know, we're closed. When it reopens, there'll be uh, instructions on what you need to do to uh, to submit to us. Well, I will say, because uh, when, when a certain publishing closed where Declan was looking for a new home, he actually, him and I talked because I have Bayonet Books as the imprint that publishes the anthologies and my stuff. Well, the stuff that's not with other publishers and um i just looked at the production speed like holy crap that man could do his own publishing house with just the books he writes a year Mm -hmm. oh it's insane but he's smart because he lets he lets somebody like me have to deal with all this uh, publishing stuff and he has all the time in the world to write right Um, that that is the one lament that is the one lament i have is that i don't have time to write anymore hardly and I miss I miss writing. You can improve your sales so that way you can get interns and people to work for you. That, that would be that, nice. Well, you could, but we're dealing with small press here, man. Like, yeah, I I know the plight because Apogee Comics is small press, and mm-hmm. yeah, I would love to hire all these people, these editors, these you know other people yeah. to help smooth it. But I do it. I, I'm doing poor man's publishing here. You know. Yeah. Bootstrapping. So, oh, I, I believe they call it. Is that what it's called? Bootstrapping? Yep. Okay. I'm, uh, that sounds fancier than what I said. Or a duct tape production. Well, you could call it a duct tape production. If we, if we got to if we got to a place where I could afford to bring in other people other than who I have, and we have a PA right now who is just knocking it out of the park for us, um, but I, I, we need to get to a certain income level where I can afford to bring on, you know, somebody to, to go through you know, the submissions and to, to double, you know, do the editing and whatnot. So right now I'm a man of many hats and you just, there's only so many hours in the day. Um, the problem I would have, and I be just because of who I am and how I am is letting there be somebody between me and the submissions and, yeah, you and know, being I- able to trust them to know, okay, this is what Richard wants. And and not have somebody bring something in that I would want, and they reject because they're thinking it's not what we're looking for. So that that when when and if that time comes, that's going to be the hardest thing for me to let go of, is not putting eyes on everything that comes in. Yep. So what I'm hearing from you is you are such a control freak you could never hire a ghostwriter. No. I, no, God, I hate ghostwriters. <laughs> I'm sorry, I do. The, the thing is, is having trust enough. And somebody else that knows how you're going to judge submissions. Yeah. Let other people play in your sandbox. Mm-hmm. So, so how that, long that you, trust trust is hard to earn. Yeah. So how that's long, gonna be the trick. How long before the great singularity where you merge with Three Ravens Publishing and then you take on Tour and Bane and Penguin Random House? 
for the to be the surviving uh, publishing house in the future, right next to Taco Bell. I'm working um, on Richard's replicant, so he can do me. <laughs> As we, in the business, maybe we call that a callback. Yeah. Um, you know, I like Bain. I, we actually work with Bain. Um, some of our books are on their online store. So we have a really good relationship with Bain. Um, Tor? I'm going to get in trouble for this, but what the hell. Tor, I would buy only, only for the sole purpose of shutting it down forever. Out of spite. Oh my God! Out, out, out of spite, I would I would take I would take David Weber. I would take um, um, I'm sure there's some other tour authors. I would take all of them, put them under my umbrella, take the rest of it, float it out to the middle of the ocean, and then. Richard, I have a boat. Yeah. I can make that happen for you. <laughs> so yeah, I are they you know, really, I don't, are they really we joke about this, you know. No, it wouldn't be Viking. It would be instant vaporized. You know, gone. Okay, okay. Um, no, I mean, I mean, I'm joking about that, guys. Seriously, don't don't send me hate mail now. Um, no, it's about <laughs> so, so I don't. I it could happen that Tuscany Bay got that big. Uh, you know, I, anything is possible. Do I do I realistically see it happening? No. I am. Um, I just want. I want Tuscany Bay to be known for producing books that people want to read, enjoy reading. They can walk away from their daily grind, especially when it's a bad day, pick up one of our books, just lose themselves in this book for a couple hours and, and just forget whatever it is that was dragging them down before they got to the book. You and That's, I have the same goals, man. Yeah. Just different mediums. I just, I just Escapism. want them. Yeah. It's to, to, that's why I read science fiction when I was a kid. And, and even as I grew up, you know, crappy day. All right. Let me get, let me get Dune by Frank Hebert or let me go, let me go grab one of Clark or, you know, or Harry Harrison's um, stainless steel rat series. You know, uh, let me dive Dean into Koontz. that. Dean Koontz was a big escapism yeah. thing for me as a kid. Yeah, let me let me forget all this this stuff. So I want to be able to provide people that safe, you know, not safe place, but that that place where they can go when they're having issues, where they can just put it away for a while. It's like the old movies. You know, you you went to the movie theater for two hours, you forgot what was going on outside those doors. And you just, favorite science, you just lose yeah, it. yeah. What's your What's your favorite science fiction movie? My favorite science fiction movie, it's definitely Forbidden Planet. That that's good wholesome escapism. Yeah, with with effects that the their matte paintings made it seem like CGI before CGI was even a thought. Yeah, um, we talked about in the show in that episode. I you mentioned that you had listened to it. Um, they were. 20 30 years ahead of anything yeah. else like we didn't see anything like it till star wars yeah yeah you know, it, was um, it, it was yeah and there's been there's a ton of them i mean i could go down a, a list that would take two hours but yeah for, forbidden planet it was on the other day i was i was needed something on in the background while i was working so i'm clicking through the um on demand on our cable because i i actually have forbidden planet on dvd stored on my hard drive but I was oh, using nice. that. I was using that screen, 
so I couldn't, you know, I didn't want to shrink it down. So I'm, I'm clicking on the, the TV and forbidden planet was available. I've seen that movie hundreds of times. of times, right? Clicked it back on, had it going, did my work. So, you know, th that, that's my go-to movie when I just want to watch something and not have to think about something for a while. I'll, I'll go grab that one. Mine I like that quote. Um, with the, the the Roman Legion at the wall with the um, uh, early two thousands movie, the signal, uh, the uh, signal. Eagle, Sorry, I spoke. Called? Yeah, the standard. No, it's called the, the name of the movie is the Eagle. Yeah, there yeah, was one called the Eagle. Of, yeah. What you're talking about, not just the movie title, but what they were carrying around with the Eagle. That's called the standard. The standard. Oh, I know. The movie's called the Eagle. It's a great movie. It's uh, probably one of Chatting Tatum's. Best. I think it was like 2010, 2011. What is it? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. For a second, I thought you were talking about um, uh, the the reimagining of the Arthur legend. I think it was called Arthur. Yeah, that's good Clive too. Owen. Clive Owen. Oh, yeah. were they? Yeah, that's a good Th one. That was actually a pretty good one too. Yeah, where Arthur or they called him Arturius. Yeah, uh, it's it wasn't his name. It was it was the um, Roman word for captain mm -hmm. or commander. Um, I liked it how they merged the, uh, the lore with the historical stuff. Yeah. So. But, and they kept it, it was respectful enough to the original lore that you could buy into it without going Oh, Come on, you know, you're yeah, just throwing and, crap in here now. So, well, and Cure Knightley was really hot, you know, well, yeah. <laughs> in bikini, you know, that, that the, was uh, her, her first non-pirates movie. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, she, so she went from being a stand-in in Star Wars in the prequels, uh, the decoy, and then she went to Pirates movies where she got really good fame. Mm -hmm. And then she went to, I think it wasn't too long after, she got into that Arthur movie that was really cool. Yeah. Uh, and then she uh, became a bounty hunter and did nude scenes. It's a really weird career path. <laughs> it's an interesting career path. What? What was the bounty hunter movie? Uh, I'm gonna have to look it up, and I'll yeah. It to you, but uh, she was a badass in it, man. Like she okay. she went through some training. I like John Wick, Keanu Reeves training, but you could tell that she. Did you see she the announcement? To... They're going to be making a John Wick anime. No, that just that just makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, can you imagine what they can do to amp the volume up when, or the volume of the the amp the violence oh. up on that one? Oh, dude, you. Oh, good We're grief! Gonna... Yeah. <laughs> John Wick was at a 10. This movie's at an 11. <laughs> Go to ludicrous speed. Yeah. <laughs> they went plaid. They've, they've gone plaid. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't I don't know. I, I, there's something about revisiting old friends with books, with movies. I mean, I've got some series that I've read I don't know. dozens of times. I think we're still trying to find that Kira Knightley movie. You know what irritated me? There was a... Uh, when... Um, Oh, Kenneth Branagh redid the Perot movie um, Murder on the Orient Express. When that they was first, so good. It was very good. That's another guy who knows how to visually present a movie. Um, when they first showed the, the, uh, the trailer, they briefly showed Daisy Ridley as being one of the characters. And because I was kind of watching out of the corner of my eye, I thought it was Kira Knightley in it. And that's really, I was like, okay, that, that could be good. You know, we'll see what she does. And then I'm watching, I'm like, that's not Kira Knightley. And it took me a, real, 
Wilder realized that was Daisy Ridley. And I'm like, my God, when that, when that actress has a director who knows what he's doing, she like can act. Ruin or ruin whatever his name is. Yeah. So I, because I watching the, the star Wars sequels, I really didn't think she was that great of an actress. I thought she was terrible. I think she and, is a total Mary Sue that we'll get into a future episode because I know yeah, I'm getting hate mail. But I mean, <laughs> but I mean, I mean, acting ability alone, not the character itself, but on acting ability alone, I did not, I was not impressed with her as a, as an actress until I saw murder on the Orient Express. And I'm like, okay, she can act. She just didn't have a director. You know? Yeah. I, or a good writer that wrote good dialogue. I mean, that's the other quite thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, shit, even Carrie Fisher, she had wooden dialogue when Lucas was running the show. Mm-hmm. Then you put her in other movies and she was very charming and she's very witty yeah. and it really got to um, focus on, on her actoral strengths. Like, she was a very sarcastic actress. Like, if yeah. you needed a sarcastic, you know, little fire plug in your movie, that was also really good eye candy for the nostalgia piece. You know, I still dream about Return of the Jedi. Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah, you, know? you need. I mean, you need. You need a good actor. You, you need good actors. You need a good director. You need a good screenwriter for yeah. a movie to really work. And it was, there was a, a thing I was watching. It had Matt Damon. Um, he was talking about his time on The Departed, and there's a scene in the movie. I think pretty early, where Jack Nicholson is just supposed to for, I think they said it was like two paragraphs in the script. Jack Nicholson is shooting a guy in the back of the head. He falls and then they walk away. And that was supposed to be it. When he you felt see funny. It, yeah. When you see the movie, that thing's much larger because Nicholson's in there talking with Scorsese and he goes, yeah, we could do that. But if you leave the camera rolling and he lays out all this stuff that he yeah. added to it. And, and then he turns to Damon and he goes, you know, I would not be, where I am today as an actor, if I weren't a good writer. And that makes sense. You need to have a good um, base for those actors and directors. Oh, absolutely. To work with, you know? Like one of my favorite movies from Nicholson is Chinatown. Yeah. Um, it's good in that. It's a, it's a great movie. Um, and, you know, this is post one flew over the cuckoo's nest, which I think the, the actor, the Gen X actor that I was growing up with was uh, Christian Slater who always reminded me of Jack. And I, I really thought Christian Slater was going to be the next Jack and Nick Nicholson. And I don't know what the hell happened. <laughs> I want my money back. Poor career choices. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. He was, I mean, he's, if you look at Jack from uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest and, you, and now that we have actors like Timothy Oliphant, who also look like Jack, act like Jack. I'm like all what could have been, you know. Yeah. But now these actors are my age, and I got to <laughs> tonight, you know. Yeah. Well, huh, we've been all over the place, and maybe like this has been a good show. A tenth of this episode, we actually talked about Tuscany Bay books. We were supposed to get nerdy with it, but uh, I guess we got, we got nerdy all around. We hit the whole globe. Yeah, we did the whole. We did the, We were hot to trot on everything, but Tuskegee Bay books. <laughs> Just so, go to our right. website. Go to our website www.tuskegeebaybooks.com, and you will see the the insane universe that we are creating there. And uh, if you cannot find a book to read there, I I got nothing. Yeah, I really do. Yeah. Uh, 
I, I think we've really illustrated how fun Richard is and how that's going to translate to the books that are going on over there in Tuscany Bay. Um, I so dig it, man. I, I like your work. I haven't read anything yet. Which, like one of your Tus- which one of the Tuscany Bay books or IPs would you want if if a, mob, a movie publishing house came to you and like, yeah, we're definitely going to make this. This isn't we just buy the rights and sit on it for 100 years and it never gets made. If they were actually going <laughs> to turn it into film. Which one of your Tuscany Bays would you like to see first? Damn, that's tough. Um, I'm going to preface it by saying we've got one that's in development and it's in development hell because of the strikes. So I'm hoping that now that the strikes are over with, we can get moving on it. It's it's mine. It's the Del Rio mystery series. Um, but of, of the ones that I have not personally written, I would love to see somebody take Declan St. Tommy's series and run with it because you have 12 books you've got four short stories that are connected to it that we publish there is so much material there um and the way he wrote them i think it's every every three books are their own little sequel they're their own little three book run and then they they tie together perfectly throughout i don't know how he managed that uh one day when i grow up i hope to to figure out how to be a writer like that uh but i would love to see saint tommy make it i wonder if it's that uh the green fedora uh, it's something it, it is something but i i just sit back and and all I can do is uh, we're not worthy, you know. That's we actually plan on having Declan back, but unfortunately, when he moved to Texas, his Wi-Fi wasn't the greatest. Supposedly, he has that fix, so we got to get him back on the docket. Definitely. Uh, he's he could be fun because we tried to get him on the, one of the horror. Oh yeah, that would be that he'd be great. Nick is talking. I'm sure he's saying profound stuff, but he's muted. Again, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I could read it his happens. lips on the last it two ha- words. <laughs> It, it's it's one out of three episodes. I forget to put the mute off. Uh, Declan always wears those those hats, right? Mm-hmm. Like fedoras and like Australian Outbackers hats. Um, there's an episode of Creep Show on Shudder that deals with a hat that helps writers write better. Mm. So like they put the hat on and there's well eventually they pull the hat off and it's like these claws with suction cups and shit like that, right? It's really freaky and it's making these guys that were like meh writers into like these like Stephen King level <laughs> epic writers and now yeah. you got the writers that have used the hat but lost the hat or like oh I want my hat back because other than that you're just like a hack and yeah I watched that <laughs> and I love Declan I love having conversations with Declan um he's he's a little pistol you know <laughs> so, it's really political and we gotta get him to tone that down. Like, yeah we gotta kinda put the last one a little bit longer because we're like yeah, I agree with you, but we can't be doing this online. Yeah. You know? It's either the hat or the yellow jacket. One or the other. I've yellow never encountered orange. yellow jacket. It's not he's, he's, No, it's yellow. Yellow jacket yellow jacket Declan. That's a nickname. Yeah. So yep. that episode made the whole time I'm watching, I'm like, that's Declan. <laughs> that's Declan. <laughs> I'll be a some bitch. That's Declan Finn. The, the very theory with Declan Finn today is that he made a pact with the devil, and that's how he writes so quickly. No, it wasn't. A, it was a, no. It's a hat. It was alien. The hat was alien. Ah, okay. alien, right? It wasn't demonic or anything like that. It was alien, yeah. but that whole species was like a bunch of writers. So you got like a whole planet of creatives, and they're like, oh well. And there was one lone alien who his stuff wasn't taken off on his homeworld, so. 
he turned himself into a hat because apparently that species had that ability. And he just started like, oh, I'm going to use this human who's a writer. I'm going to make him do a, a great writer. And Earth loved it. Earth loved everything about this alien writer. Pretty damn funny. Or it could be the hat. The hat belonged to a author who was very prolific in his time, and when he died, he possessed the hat. So when you put the hat on, yeah, you you, you, you like a poltergeist hat. Yeah, yeah. There that's, you go. That's, okay, I'm. I want to see that book from Tuscany. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jack. So, so as you're his boss, you're going to reach out to Declan and say, when this episode goes live, you will watch it. When you get to the one hour and 30 mark, you have your, uh, you have your marching orders. Make it happen, sir. Make it happen. Yep. Get it you it. I, want, damn it. I want spirits. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be like creep show meets ghost with, uh, Kevin. Was it Patrick Swayze? What you I'm going to do is I, yo, Pat, well, we're going to have to do a summons for that. Patrick Swayze. Yeah, I mean, I know he's no longer with us. I'm just saying the themes. You might even get Whoopi Goldberg to stop her whatever she does. We'll oh, there better be a Potter oh, scene in there. Yeah. 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 But no, no, I, yeah. I'm just thinking. Vito. Vito. Vito? You don't like, you didn't like Whoopi Goldberg's character in Ghost? I know, she, but nothing for you to bring it up because you don't want politics, so stop. Oh, no, yeah, we're talking no, about we're bring, her acting. We're bringing in 1988 Whoopi. <laughs> Not 2023 whoopies. She, she used to have no accessory stuff. pack with Joy Behar. All right, all right. We're, we're, we weren't talking about her political. I'm just saying she would have to pause long enough, and I'm sure they pay her a lot of money to get her to do this like kind of niche thing. But I, I think it could work. Yeah, if you pay her enough. One of my favorite movies as a kid was Jumping Jack Flash, starring Whoopi Goldberg. I don't think I've seen that one. Uh, it's a nice little whodunit. Uh, she, yeah, she's like a detective, I think. Or, it, no, she's a PI. Also, she's in Sister Act, where she was singing. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. We don't, we don't, we don't talk about that. Huh? Sister Mary <laughs> Catherine. Yeah. Anyway, we're all over the place. Like we're times. We're an hour and forty minutes in. Like a hundred minutes. We promised we would talk about Tuscany Bay books. We did. We did. We did. We did. The ish is doing a lot of hey, the heavy lifting here. There it is. There it is. Right there. See, hold for, on, on. for an hour and 40 minutes, people have seen that logo over my shoulder because I have made sure I have not blocked it. And you, right, even see some, you can even see some of our books right there. See, right there. And then that shelf. That's product placement right there, boys. Take product notes. placement. Don't Should be distracted by the Godzillas, but watch the Tuscany Bay stuff. How can you not love the Frankenstein poster on his uh, Oh, yeah. Classic, shoulder there? Yeah. Uh, which way I got to go? There you go. There you go. Yeah, hold definitely on, check on, out Tuscany Bay Books. Hold on, hold on. Solo layout. There, there you, go. you go. And, and for oh, those, my Lord. For those who are wondering, this right here actually does move. And on one side, the uh, the young lady has fallen asleep while reading. She is on top. This is a stack of books. When you flip it over, she's awake and reading. So right. on the other side, she's reading the uh, the books of who we're going to do a little petty stuff with. Oh, no, on no, the other okay. side, well, she's awake. She's definitely reading Tuscany Bay books. Yeah, and above his head, we have Godzilla. You get three Godzillas. You have the, well, there you go. You have the original 1960s Godzilla. Then you have yeah. the first 2014. And then you got that big boy from the Godzilla versus Kong. And you got the Godzilla uh, crossing sign. And I have a Godzilla crossing sign. Yeah. I'm a, as you can tell, I am Team Godzilla. Obviously, I was I was getting Obviously. very annoyed because I was afraid they were going to make King Kong the hero of them that that movie, and 
it was not going to sit well. Mm. But fortunately, you know, the, the king stepped up and defended his crown. I can replicate <laughs> his uh, his battle cry, but it will blow out speakers. If I oh, can. okay. Let's not do that. <laughs> that now I have a okay. synthesizer. 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 Just not. No, he's heard it and it blew out our eardrums. Yeah, I did that as a joke at the end of one of the writers' blocks because we were at one point we were. It was a radio show, but we'd do a video version that we'd play later. And um, as a joke, I cut in the battle scream at some point because um, it, it matched with whatever it was we were talking about. Uh, yeah, you can get that thing going pretty good sometimes. Okay. Well, that hey there, said, Go on. we talked about the movie you'd want to see in, uh, or the book you'd want to see as a movie. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got what's coming. We got your website where everyone can go, but uh, we'll put all of that in the show notes. So what, uh, what book is going to be coming out this year? What's left uh, for this year? We are done for this year. We're kind of uh, gathering ourselves and uh, catching our breath a little bit this, this year. Uh, a lot of things were changed. A lot of uh, a lot of new ideas that we wanted to um, incorporate going forward, uh, mostly toward marketing and publicity. So we've we've kind of spent a lot of time on that aspect of it. And you know, I I, I knew we had pretty well covered. I think we had a, a release last month. Um, I'm drawing a complete blank on what, what it was, but it was out. And uh, we just want to take November and December, kind of recharge the batteries and get ready because when we, we hit 2024, it's going to be hitting the ground running again. Uh, we're going to have, we're going to have a book every month. Um, we're, we're going to be probably at a couple of cons. We're still kind of narrowing that down. And then we've got some promotional obligations that are going to be coming up if things fall into place that are going to be taking some time. So, you know, it, I, I knew we needed to take two months and just kind of get charged up. Yeah. Okay. So how can listeners and viewers <laughs> find you on the wild, wild interwebs? And as usual, I link all of the show notes. Uh, uh, for Tuscany Bay, just go to TuscanyBayBooks.com. Um, our website Everything, everything we have available, uh, purchase links are there. Um, we have a we have an author page for all of our authors. Um, we have our awards. We have our bestsellers. We've had several bestsellers this year, which has been nice. Um, for me personally, um, go to sci-fi scribe.com. It's S C I F I. S C R I B E dot com. Uh, unless you want to type my first and last name together, sci fi scribes usually better. And that will go to my website with all my stuff. Um, I do have a newsletter for both Tuscany Bay and for myself. There's links on both websites so you can sign up for the newsletter as well. Uh, Freaking standing, that will be linked in the show notes, dear listener, dear viewer. Uh, you guys at home in Podcastia land. And with that being said, we'd like to remind okay. you. Yeah, it's it's a it's a legitimate place. It's on a map. Somewhere. No, I, I agree with it. Keep keep that going. Hashtag post, post, Podcastia sorry. land. Um, Podcastia. Mark, uh, JR Hanley, 2023. Um, it's the only good thing that comes out of 2023. Well, except for all the Tuscany Bay books, of course. 
but this is where the part of the show where we remind you to please be kind and speak your mind on the reviewing platforms. Your reviews help the right readers find the right books. So people do your part. Reviews are about helping other readers find what they liked, what they didn't like. We prefer obviously five-star reviews because it just looks cooler to have like a bazillion five stars. But if you're going to leave a one star, at least constructive criticism of why you didn't like it. Don't put these Jimmy Deans were horrible when you review a book. Maybe put not enough action, too much cussing, not enough cussing. You know, the lights goes on. Because quite frankly, if I see sci-fi that's like too much violence and cussing, I'm like, dude, that one star just sold me the book. My favorite review ever, Nick, was a review. You're muted if you're talking. My favorite review ever of a book was one of mine. And somebody wrote, this is what happens when a 12-year-old with ADHD writes gun porn. And I'm like, why didn't I think of that for ad copy? Oh, my God. That totally could have been your promo. Hey, my, my best review, that a negative review that I got was for Escaping Infinity. One star has too much sex in it. I write fade to black sex scenes. How did it have too much sex in it? Right. <laughs> you know? But I, I use that as a tagline. Um, by this book, it has too much sex in it. I mean, we saw a spike. We saw a sales spike just off of that. But did they give you bad reviews when they found no sex? Oh, no, I don't know. It specifically said this book has too much sex in it. Okay. Well, with that being said, uh, Richard has told us where he can, you can find him. You can find us on our link tree, L I N K T R dot E E link tree slash blasters and blades podcast. Again, link tree slash blasters and blades podcast, where we link to all the things, the bitch shoots, the rumbles, the Twitters, the blasters and blades, Facebook group, Facebook page. We link to our email address for blasters and blades, even better of serious business inquiries only mind you. And, and stop sending me those unsolicited um, bird pictures. You know what I'm talking about, Bob, right? Like no, no more of that. Sorry. It's not funny anymore. Mm. And I, I would not be surprised if this was Nick with a pseudonym just to mess with me. I'm just saying. I'm but, not um, saying it's me, but I'm not saying it's not me. <laughs> right, right, right. I get you. You're not not saying either. But uh, we also linked to Madam Stabby Stab over on the Twitters, the Instagrams, and the email where you could send all the hate mail. I tried to send her hate mail. She told me to stop flirting with her because uh, Nick still knew how to dope a scope and it would get ugly. So, Oh, yeah. Apparently, I didn't do a good enough job. So you need to pick up where I have failed, people. Pick that standard up and carry it into the promised land. That's right. and, and Nick promises it'll only hurt a little bit. Just, just, just a smidge. Just a smidge. All right. Uh, with with that being said, you can also find us on our website at anchor.fm slash blasters, tacky and tack blades. Again, anchor.fm slash blasters dash and dash blades, where for as little as 99 cents a month, you can help keep the lights on. Every penny helps people. These episodes are not free to produce. So when you help keep the overhead, you keep us going, and we greatly appreciate all of you. Uh, you can support the show more directly at buymeacoffee.com slash author J.R. Handley. Again, buymeacoffee.com slash Author Jared Hanley, be sure to put in the comment section this for the podcast. And I promise I will keep my co-host duly caffeinated. They will drink until the coffee pours out of their nose. They won't drink that though. It probably wouldn't taste very good. And uh, or Dr. Pepper for, for Richard. Uh, but speaking of coffee, if you wanted to also support the show and drink some coffee instead of just using a website called coffee, you could go to the link we give you for coffee brand coffee made in America, made to order. It is not drop shipped. It is made by the fine folks at coffee brand coffee. Use the link in the show notes and the code podcast grunts and you get 10% off. And uh, Stabby is in love. Uh, in fact, she has got the jitters right now because she had her 12th cup today. Like we, we make no allowances. Like I'm just saying this will show up on a drug test if you drink their coffees. 
they sent me a free bag of coffee <laughs> when I reordered my blueberry. And I also ordered um, the pecan sticky bun. And they sent me a free bag of Roaster's Choice. Nice. I have to grind my own beans to drink it. But it's so worth it. It's delicious. I mean, there's nothing like that. Do you hand crank it? Or do you make Nick do it? Or do you have a machine? We got a blender. I put it in my ninja. My ninja. A bullet. All right. All right. Maybe we could get Ninja or a meat. I'd be I'd be okay with booze company like sponsored us. And we don't actually need money if they just send us the booze and we'll talk about it. Like that would be cool. Heck yeah. I'm not saying we would do the junk cast, but I'm not not saying it either. Like I'm just saying I'm not saying it either. That's right. We're open to possibilities, dear listener. And you know, I said 20 minutes ago, let's wrap this up. And I'm still the one jabbling. <laughs> I blame Richard because he's fun. And I'm still looking at Godzilla thinking dinosaurs are cool. Uh-huh. Godzilla. That's right. That's right. That's right. All right. With that being said, dear listener, we appreciate you spending some of your precious time with us. For my crazy co-host, high on life and on caffeine from Coffee Brand Coffee, I am J.R. Hanley, and this was the Blasphemy Blade Podcast. We'll be back next week at the same time where we'll indulge our level of nerd culture, cheesy jokes, and all things that go boom. And I will make no allowances for what Nick may or may not have put in his coffee. I'm just saying Tannerite. he's Irish on his mother's side. It's, yeah, it's Tannerite. Yeah, yeah, we'll go with that. It's totally not bourbon in his bourbon coffee. Huh? Huh? And with that, it's a little bourbon. It's Tannerite. Put some hair on your 